Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Now and Again. This is the EP series, the first month of the EP series, where we kind of break from the Now canon because... I think if you're anything like me, we all need a break from talking and listening to someone talk about terrible pop music. Um, And we do some non-canon things. And last week we covered some uh, reader mail with Nico. This week we're going a little different with some other soundtracks, some other compilations that you might remember. This week our guest, someone I know uh, who has listened to this soundtrack probably as much as I did around age 14... Uh, Jared Brown, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, and yeah, probably more than you actually, or about the same if we want to count all the times we've played together too, this game together too. Yeah, so let's go right into it. You were a perfect guest because um, you were on the show for the 2016 Best Of, where you covered an autobiography of uh, an extreme sports guy, and this is extreme sports right here. This is the soundtrack of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, published by Activision in August of 1999, just one year after the first Now dropped. Um, and it is a video game for the PlayStation. It's kind of a sports time-based collectathon um, that was really elevated by its unique flavor. There weren't a lot of skateboarding games at the time. There was like Skate or Die for the Nintendo. What else? Yep, and then also uh, TNC uh, Surfer and Skate, which was a uh, clothing brand, actually, that put out a video game on the Nintendo NES back in like the late 80s, early 90s. I also remember California games for the Game Gear, but that was, you know, kind of this 2D. Uh, yeah. It, it was not much of anything. This was a 3D game where you could you could do street stuff and do a bunch of grinds. You can get into a half pipe. You had to collect a bunch of hidden stuff. You had to get high scores. It had really fluid controls. Which was amazing for the time. I think that's what really blew everyone away was that it was actually easier to control the character instead of like having him look like he was doing something in the others. This time around, he lo- he was actually doing what they really did in real life. Right, exactly. If you wanted to do something as simple as a grind, you could. If you wanted to get all of your speed on a half pipe and do a, a 1080 kickflip Christ Air, like you could do that. It had this slightly uh, exaggerated comedic, I mean, not comedic, but um, over the top. Uh, elements, hyperbolic elements to it, which worked really well, um, because at the time, extreme sports was exploding on the back of, like, Tony Hawk and the X Games and all of those kind of things. Skateboarding was really in for the first time, probably since the early 90s, late 80s. Um, What are your memories of that kind of scene at the time? Oh, my God. It was, this was kind of the second wave that was starting up, so it was really, like, the most interesting kind of like start of it for me as well from like the 80s and early 90s to to now was the second coming of extreme sports yeah so you had like that hip-hop influence that was there starting to come in a little bit here and there and it was actually really interesting because i remember like the first time i actually got into extreme sports was this i was actually watching the x games Shortly before the game was released, actually, like, I think the week before, which is a really weird tie-in, that Tony Hawk actually landed the first 900 in competition. Oh, so okay. It was really, it was really weird that, like, this game came out, like, a, probably, like, a month after he landed it. So I was like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, who is this guy? Why is he so big? What, what's so crazy about it? That was actually 
um, almost a month before. I'm looking at it right now, and it the X Games that he landed in was X Games Five, and so he landed that that was in San Francisco. So he landed the first 900 at that particular X Games, but then like a month later, the game was released. So everyone was like, what is this? Was that like a tie-in or something? Huh, yeah, so that's interesting because every character in the game had like, you know, their like skateboarding fatality that you build up the meter and like you did this awesome move. And Tony Hawk's was the 900. So in my head, it must have been like, like, oh, he, it's like known he's able to do this. But that means they definitely produced this game not knowing if this move was even possible, which is pretty ballsy. He- Oh yeah, I mean, like he when he, I saw all the after like highlights, and I was because I was, I think I was out to dinner with my family that night when that happened, and like I came back and I was like flipping through the channels, and I came across Sports Center, like Tony Hawk lands the first ever nine hundred in skateboarding. I'm like, how the fuck did I miss that? Yeah, yeah. Did you see the the video that came out recently where they put him out on a half pipe and see if he can still land the nine hundred like twenty years later? And it's yeah. just like he does it eventually. But it's just like five minutes of this much older man like falling really hard on a half pipe, and it's just kind of cringe-inducing. Yeah, I kind of saw that pop up when I was looking for the original video, but I'm like, part of me said to myself, like, you should watch it. Then I'm like, no, I don't want to see almost 60-year-old Tony Hawk just bail over and over again until he lands it. So I kind of said, oh, we'll watch that later. And this started a huge wave of... Uh, extreme sports inspired video games as well. I remember around this time. Now my timeline might be kind of off here, um, but a, I certainly remember playing a lot of Jet Moto. Um, yeah, I remember yeah, SSX yeah. Tricky 1080 for the N64. Um, and you, you also, had, I think, a Matt Hoffman biking game. Yes, I was just going to touch on that. This series actually spawned the what's called the Pro Sports series. You had Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX, Sean White's Pro. Bo- Border, which means snowboarding, mm-hmm. and also Kenny Slater's yeah, Pro Surfer. I remember And then that. also you had this other title called uh, Dave Mears BMX, which was actually a really good one. And it was, oh, was other okay. kind of short-lived really good game called Grind Session, which is actually not half bad. I also have a distinct memory, and um, I've recommended We Hate Movies for Movies before. I'll recommend Duck Feed Channel for video games since you know we don't really touch uh, on any of those things too much on this show. But uh, Duck Feed has a bad video game program called Abject Suffering, which I absolutely love. And I always want to write in and request um, the Razor Scooter game that came out around this oh, time. God, yeah, I do remember that too. Holy shit. Yeah, that's a thing that, that happened. Look that up on YouTube. Uh, that'll probably be in the show notes. Uh, if you even remember Razor Scooters, um, just the fact that there was a game for that, a Tony Hawk S game, is uh, absolutely incredible. But uh, I think it goes without saying that really Tony Hawk 1 and 2. And maybe even three, like I think there's a bell curve there with two being the strongest. That was really where these kind of games were at their best. Oh, absolutely. I would actually even say three was kind of the peak for it because after that, it kind of just started to go, oh, let's put Bam Margera in more games and give him more spotlight. And then after that, kind of like the whole skateboarding industry kind of just took a nosedive and a shit afterwards. Yeah, I completely agree. I was going to say the exact same thing was that kind of the jackassification and i i have a soft spot for jackass as i wouldn't call it an extreme sports thing i know that they did some stuff with that um and i know the we've talked uh, on episode two with joe d about kind of the origins of jackass coming from a bunch of dudes in a parking lot skateboarding and things like that but yeah yeah yeah. i definitely think it's separate and when bam margera comes in and like 
it becomes like a mini RPG where you have to run around town and talk to people and like do wacky stunts on your skateboard, like the game loses me a little bit more. Oh, yeah. There's actually um, a funny, not really funny, but like I actually have a kind of a quick story to mention about Jackass. You should put this in the notes too. Um, one of the founders of a local skate shop, uh, this guy named Chris Narocco, who runs this skate shop called NJ Skate Shop, was actually on two episodes of Jackass. The first was where they had to eat all the raw eggs, and then the second was where they had to drink eggnog in Santa suits. Okay, so he was on puke episodes, I guess. Yeah, puke. Oh, God, yeah. I actually have not. I keep meaning to ask him if he can eat eggs and drink eggnog to this day, but I haven't got a chance to yet. Yeah. Yeah, Jackass took a, a weird turn. I recently was watching, I guess they have like a reunion special. Yeah, like a year and a half ago or so or something like that. Yeah, I was watching that, and boy, those guys, time. Time and, you know, getting thrown off of curbs in shopping carts has really taken their toll on those guys. And let's not forget Steve-O getting clean so he actually feels pain now. <laughs> yeah, that is, a, that is a great point. He lost his, uh, his mutant healing factor, which was just like a shitload of cocaine. <laughs> Dear God. Um, so, I mean, we kind of dipped into this a little bit, but memories of the game itself. I know that we played a lot of it um, oh, God. after school in like eighth grade and certainly into freshman year of high school. I imagine – I didn't look into it too much. I imagine two came out very quickly after one. Um, yeah. Um, between the popularity and the fact that Activision is known for running their game series into the fucking yeah. dirt. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it actually came out – shortly after like maybe like a year and a half or so afterwards but this one actually um the second one feels a little more polished and yeah. a little more involved so and i can actually give you the date that was 2000 so that so, was yeah, okay. uh the exact date was september 2000 so like so almost a year, a, year a, little, yeah. a little over a year after yeah so that's a fast turnaround for a game but to be fair this game isn't and, uh, and the second one as well, are not that involved. Going back and looking at a, a speedrun on YouTube, because uh, I didn't have the capabilities of playing it again, um, I was surprised, and this happens a lot with PlayStation 1 and 64-hour games, with how ugly it kind of was. It's very <laughs> yeah. sparse when you're not in levels that are just like generic skate park. Yeah, if you look at some of the shadows, too, you can see like the pixel, pixel figures that oh, are yeah. actually there. Yeah, so it's like, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, man, like that's pretty cool and then now i'm looking at it now as an older adult and i'm like wow that's like pretty basic yeah a lot of well, a lot of things from that era uh, be it video games or music as we will talk about uh haven't fantastically aged um yeah i certainly remember that kind of skate scene the the music being really important especially since we kind of came from that central jersey punk and ska kind of thing they really tied together in a lot of ways i uh I didn't love the soundtrack of this game, and going back and looking at it, I remember why. It's because it was very small. It was only about 10 songs, and actually yeah. almost every song that I remember loving from Tony Hawk comes from Tony oh, Hawk yeah. 2, hey, um, which, spoilers, we will be at least doing the trilogy. Um, at some point, you will hear all three. Yeah. Um, so we will be covering one, two, and three. Not this month, but at some point, two and three uh, will come out down the line, uh, and two is definitely the one I think that is... Uh, you know, the Italian chef kissing his fingers of the soundtracks for this uh, for the series. Yeah, a lot of this was actually Tony Hawk himself going through his record collection saying, oh, this would be a good song to go in the game. Oh, this would be a good song to go in the game. Kids will like this. So, yeah, that's where a lot of this comes from. And this is the one that feels the least, like, market tested of all yeah. of them. And so that makes a ton of sense. And we can dive 
really right into the soundtrack. Um, note that you should follow along. Um, check out a playlist on YouTube. There will be a link in the show notes, cageclub.me. All of these songs are about two and a half minutes long, and uh, if you remember them from the game, you only ever got to hear two minutes of them. So there's really... They move quickly. The entire soundtrack's about 20 minutes. Uh, look it up or check out the playlist at Cage Club. Um, let's jump right in with Suicide Machines and New Girl. Do you remember this song? Yeah, I actually had to replay the track just to figure out what it was. This was the one that oh, yeah. I remember, like, him trying to understand what he was saying as a kid. Like, I couldn't figure out what he was screaming. And I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, so I gotta salute you? <laughs> yeah, so I gotta... It's just that. That's the chorus over and over again. Yeah. That's the part where I remembered it was when we hit the chorus. Yeah. They came back. I'm like, oh, this song. This was... It, not, it wasn't bad, but, like, I just said, like, eh... Yeah, it definitely had some ska chords, um, yeah. but then it went into like organ parts instead of a horn section. It almost felt like you were on a carousel for a little bit there, like when those parts <laughs> came up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, local 2000 NJ heroes, uh, Catch-22, uh, with the going back and forth between the ska chords and the singing and the and the screaming. This was probably the song at that time. Um, on the soundtrack that I listened to the second most. Oh, yeah. But I don't think it necessarily aged well. And as I've said on this show before, much to the chagrin of some of my friends, um, Ska is really fucking dead. It did not <laughs> age well. Or as I say, it's on very limited life support. Just went to die. And that's probably the best truth you can come up with right now. Yeah, yeah. It was. It just never was going to make it out of that era. Um, but oh, yeah. you know what? There's another song on the soundtrack um, that is a ska song by, as you note, a not ska band, Goldfinger's Superman. And this is the song that I think everyone kind of has the uh, the softest spot for who played the Tony Hawk game. Yeah, oh god, yeah. This I actually went out and bought the hang-ups that the album that this, that this song is on just for this song. And like the rest of the CD was, I'm like, hey, this actually isn't bad. And then like after that, they kind of like... Went, got weird a little bit. But they, yeah, they had, this was off of Hang Ups, and then you had, right after that was Stomping Ground, which had, like, their cover of 99 Red Balloons. Um, I think that had, uh, that, that might have had Here in Your Bedroom on it. I, I don't know their discography yeah. super well. They were always one of those bands that I liked, like, two or three of the songs, but never really liked uh, everything. Yeah, uh, there... 99 Red Balloons was actually also in, uh, I think it was Gran Turismo 5 or 6, too. So, like, the first time I ran through that game, I'm like, oh, Goldfinger again. So I would actually kind of do restarts just to get that song to come up sometimes, just so I could actually hear it and drive around the tracks with. Absolutely the same with this game is later on the games would have an ability like a jukebox mode where you can pick which songs played. Um, This one didn't. So I just remember, like continuously restarting the level until yeah. I heard those opening ska chords. Yeah, and I'm still very much bummed out at the fact that I actually missed a chance to see them with Zebrahead and Real Big Fish that one summer. Yeah, so I think that was our sophomore year of high school. They played in Asbury back when Asbury wasn't quite as um, <laughs> Where? Uh, rebuilt. Yeah, as if you wanted now. to go get crack, you would go to Asbury at this point. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And yeah, we it was just a huge punk and ska, well, like pop punk ska fest. It was like the starting line, Zebrahead, Real Big Fish, RX Bandits, um, wow, Goldfinger. I think headlined with Real Big Fish. It was like one of our first shows where like um, there was a lot of people in the pits 
who were also really drunk and you just got punched <laughs> a lot. Uh, so it was definitely like a rite of passage. You know, nothing hardcore or anything like that. But yeah, these guys put on a fun show. Uh, but again, like a lot of that stuff doesn't age super well. However, lead singer John Feldman um, has aged interestingly because now he is a producer, uh, most wow. notable for producing the Five Seconds of Summer album. Uh, I told I've never listened to one of their songs, but yeah, I know they're I've... like boy. Boy bandy like pop a, punk, yeah, kind of uh, kinda like the middle ground between pop punk and boy bands. But he also produced the new Blink One Eighty Two album, um, California, and uh, his voice. If you remember Goldfinger, you can hear his voice on one of the songs that has a big gang vocal breakdown. Uh, his voice is extremely prominent, so he's still kicking around. Um, he's, I guess, he's probably Grammy nominated now since that Blink album was Grammy nominated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like everyone kind of uh, remembers Superman. And you still hear it pop up here and there today. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like the little brother of the impression that I get, which like even people who don't really love ska still will yeah. know that song if it comes on somewhere. I think I actually heard Superman like in the past year, like flipping through the channels one night, and I came across MTV, and they're like, and I heard it in the background. I'm like, why the frick is MTV playing Superman this late at night? And then I'm like, oh, never mind. It's just background filler for some show, so they had the rights to it. Yeah, there's always weird music on, like, MTV interstitial ads that, like, you remember and you're like, why are they using, like, the hook of a Tegan and Sarah song on MTV just just looped to, oh, who cares, whatever. But yeah, so that's Superman. Um, always going to have a soft spot for that song. Absolutely. Song I have less of a soft spot for, and again, this is where it's kind of clearly diverging from that, um, this is what is marketed towards quote-unquote skaters. He was a skater boy. He said, see you later, boy. Um, (laughs) Primus with Jerry was a race car driver. Or uh, as Les Claypool would uh, put it, Jerry was a race car driver. Is is it just me or is he singing out of the side of his mouth the entire song? Like, that's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. He sings like Jim Ross calls wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. You know, I don't love the sound that Primus is doing with that kind of the slap bass, the, the twangy guitar. Um, yeah. I get it. Um, and here's the thing. I think I have some Stockholm Syndrome um, because I think the song works in the context of the game, especially if you remember the levels that you didn't really skate around in. You just constantly went downhill yeah, the... and you were like racing against the level as well as the time. Like this kind of works for that. Yeah, that was the downhill jam and then the mall were both two really good songs for that. So like if you got somehow got through the level and got back up, the song was still going before time ran out. So it's like, oh, I can get through this one more time maybe before the song ends. And most of the case you would get like three quarters of the way through it on the second run. And it's like, time's up. Yeah, and again, like going back to the game and talking about how like in every level, you only had two minutes. So, like, Goldfinger Superman, for the longest time, I didn't know any part of, like, the bridge or the end of that song because the song would cut off, like, right as the bridge was starting, and those two minutes of the song were all I knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too with that, definitely. Those, I mean, some of these songs are, like, a minute 25, so it didn't really matter. Yeah. Do you know any other Primus songs other than the South Park theme song? No, not really. I mean, I do think Les Claypool is actually a decent bass player in that sense but i never really got into primus i mean last summer they played the stone pony in asbury and i was thinking about going to see him but i'm like there's gonna be a lot of weirdos there so it's not gonna be a fun (laughs) show so i said nah that's a pass 
People love Primus. I just, you know, it's not something I ever really gained yeah. knowledge of. Yeah, it was one of those things where, like, people would like, oh, you would like Primus. I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. I did have one of those moments of nostalgia when, uh, in the song, it kind of stops and Les Claypool screams, dog will hunt. I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that happening, like, right near the end of all yeah. of my runs. The video for that's actually pretty funny with that part. Like, all of a sudden, like, it cuts to a – he screams that, and then, like, all of a sudden, the uh, big instrumental starts, and a pit opens, like, during a show. And it's like, well, I guess that's the cue to start the pit, then, with this song. I can't – I mean, I guess it makes sense that there's pits at Primus shows, but that's weird to me. Yeah, I mean, the video itself is just weird. And, like, I watched it a few times, like, just to refresh my memory so I could, like, mention it. But, like, it's just such, like, a weird, like, premises. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, you see him, like – that whole jam- bass jams lead up to it, and then like he says, "Dog will hunt," and it cuts right to a mosh pit, which is like very weird, or a circle pit. Hmm. Uh, well, speaking of bands that definitely had some pits in their days, um, "Suicidal Tendencies" with Psychovision. This is a very much late era "Suicidal Tendencies." Um, like this was on an album that came out earlier in in 1999, which is kind of why it sounds to me like the punk bands of that time like an anti-flag or any band that doesn't really matter um like it's certainly not institutionalized era suicidal tendencies yeah oh absolutely it was i mean it was like one of the better songs in a game too though but it was just like it felt so out of place at times like it just didn't work almost yeah and i think it's probably worth talking about both of like the kind of uh elder statesman punk bands uh in one swoop here is is the dead kennedy's police truck also came in here um and kind of like how you get rap on mainstream radio uh both of these songs were just like dead air every third like word uh, or oh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i mean like with institutionalized with the whole kendall jenner thing now like i can't help but laugh like all i wanted was a pepsi all i wanted was a pepsi mom i just can't help but laugh at that i can't keep a straight face when i hear that song come up yeah uh there's definitely a lot of uh spicy memes <laughs> around uh that song and that that commercial yeah and you know what? Speaking of um, of I guess the police in that in that commercial and Dead Kenny's police truck. Am I not mistaken in thinking that? And maybe this was the sequel that you could play as a cop as a hidden character. Yes, yes, yes. Officer Dick, ironically enough, was yes. his name for that. He was. I think if you beat um like a the third or fourth level of the game, he was unlocked. There was definitely some like, uh, and you know, skaters, skateboarding is not a crime. There's always been kind yeah. of this animosity between the two. This is yeah. before cops were just murdering people in cold blood, and they were like, uh, like comedic Ralph yeah. Wiggum types, you know, who ate yeah. donuts and had silly oh, yeah. mustaches. Yeah, Officer Dick was his name. He was definitely the hidden character. I think if you beat the school, you got him. There is also a tribute to a porn star in this one named Private Carrera, which was a play on Asia Carrera at the time. Oh, wait, that that was a playable character? Yeah, she was an unlockable character in the first one as well. Oh, okay. I don't I don't remember I remember I I'm guessing this is three when it started getting weird, but Spider Man was a playable character? Yeah, that was uh she was yeah, that was three. Was it this game that had the hidden Roswell level or was that two? No, that was uh that was either two or three. Okay. Yeah, game definitely started getting weird. But I mean I really like this Dead Kennedy song. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. Dead Kennedys are cool. This was actually the B-side to Holiday in Cambodia, I learned. So this this song kind of uh, has some history before this game, obviously. It's got that kind of uh, surf rock feel to it with the guitar. 
um, which I really dig, and it it fits um, this kind of game. And you always kind of have to ask, like, first, is this a good song? And then secondly, kind of kind of with the Primus one, is like, if it's not, uh, does it still work for the context of what it's trying to do? And, like, this song is, you know, both really good and both works really well for what it's trying to do, probably better than any other Dead Kennedys song uh, would work. Absolutely. Uh, according to a wiki page... Um... This is from some fandom page I just looked up for the Private Carrera thing. Uh, as told by Tony Hawk, Private Carrera was proposed by a certain Neversoft employee that had the name Carrera and is actually a reference to the Porsche 911 Carrera, not the porn actress. I'm like, and okay, I'll buy that, but yeah, like, come on, that's what it's leading towards. Mm, you got fake news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't rem- I definitely remember the cop because I think the cop became like a playable character in all of the games at some point. Yeah, he was um, there. I think actually I have the rebranded one for the PS4, and I think he's a playable character in there too, but I just haven't gotten around. But I tried to play it, and I'm like, this is so terrible. I can't even bother. I remember that there was a game that came out that like really murdered um, like this genre. I think it was just called Skate. Yeah, Skate. I have, I'm looking at all three of them right now. Uh it actually, instead of using the directional pad and the and the uh, four buttons, it actually used the uh, the sticks the at the bottom, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call those, yeah. the little joysticks. Mm-hmm. The skating community actually liked it a little better because of the fact that it was more realistic, and you actually couldn't like land like multiple kickflips in the air. So if you could do a double, you were a god. If you could couldn't, then it's like okay, it's more realistic. Right, right. But and if, from what I remember of that game, it was also just like super buggy and not well made, which is kind of really what was the nail in the coffin for it. Yeah, by the the first one was kind of was really bland and bad, but by the second one, it actually opened up a little more and actually they developed a storyline and everything that actually was a mo- little bit more realistic than what Tony Hawk was doing. Mm. And sure. like, so it was basically a rise to a pro level. Like you actually had just gotten out of jail and who bails you out? This guy named uh, Giovanna Reddit, who's like a big like uh, documentary in the skateboard world. And then you're like ro- rolling along and all of a sudden you run, run into Rob Dyrdek. And it's like now at that time, Dyrdek was actually the biggest name in skateboarding. Bam was out and Rob Dyrdek was in. Hmm. So you actually would – he was like basically your Bam Margera or Tony Hawk, hmm. but he was a little more of a – Lovable goof, I guess you could you could describe him. Right, he wasn't like uh, I'm Bam Margera, and we're gonna put an alligator in our mom's house until my dad has a heart attack. Yeah, he was more of a like, go do this and come back and see me, and then we'll give you something else to do. Yeah, like we're kind of we're halfway through this this mini soundtrack again. Tony Hawk one soundtrack, pretty short, pretty um, simple. All of the good stuff. Again, we kind of learned comes in two and three, uh, other than that Goldfinger song. Uh, the Ernie's Here and Now, I had no memory of this yeah. song. Uh, I didn't either. Like, I when it came up, I'm like, oh, this song was on the game. And I was like, really? Like, what is this? Like, Linkin Park 1.0? Yeah, you said it was Linkin Park in the notes. I suggested it's like a really somehow worse Zebrahead or like a bro-y Incubus. I think all of those work really well to describe uh, what this is. It's there's there's a handful of songs towards this end where it's kind of doing that late '90s, like just the start of new metal, but towards the tail end of grunge fusion. That just sucks. 
Yeah, it was like, it's definitely like that. I mean, like, this was like one of those songs where I was like, as a kid, I'm like, oh, I like this. Now, as an adult, I'm like, man, the teenage me would really be disappointed that I don't like this kind of music anymore. Welcome to Now and Again. You've, you've just passed, like, your certification for being on this show. <laughs> God. Uh, Speed Dealer Screamer. And then no, Nothing to Me, which is actually two songs, which is really weird. So what, did they just, like... I staple one to the end of the other? I think it's just the way it's recorded, though. I mean, it sounds like you could hear like a clear transition between the two. Like, Screamer's more of a borderline pure hardcore, and then Dreamer is like one of the, and like, um, oh, nothing to me. I'm looking at my notes like an idiot. Nothing to me is more like a, kind of like a eligible scream kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I listened to this this morning to brush up, and I've already forgotten the song. Yeah. Um, so... That should tell you a lot about this one. Unsane's Committed. Uh, this one was actually pretty good. I kind yeah. of dug the song. Definitely forgot about this, but it was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, this is actually, I remember, this was actually, like, I actually had to go dig a little bit to look for this song. Because I'm like, okay, like, I do remember this song. But then there is a, be- they have a better song out there called Scrape, which was... When this game came out, MTV was trying to market themselves as like more of a sports network with with stuff like that, like trying to capture more of the youth that like that instead of like mm-hmm. the pop, top forty people. They yeah. did this video countdown of the I think it was the worst slams in video music videos or something like that, and they had okay. this one video called Scrape, which was which is actually nothing but skateboarders just totally eating it. Nice. Oh, I actually I definitely remember that. Yeah, I remember we were, I, I forget, it was like right after Tony Hawk came out, they did this special, and I was up at your house, and I think I like spent the entire day there, and we were flipping through the channels trying to find something, and we came across this one countdown, and we caught the talent of this video, and we're like, we gotta watch this again to see this. And the, the uh, cool thing about this video is that um, Elisa Steamer, who's one of the playable characters, is actually in that video. Just eating shit? Yeah, pretty much. Like I forget, She's like maybe towards the end of the video. And she, like, she kind of looks like you can't tell the difference at this point, like, because the gender lines are so blurred in skateboarding still. So you just can't tell if it's because they're all of them had the long hair at this time and everything. And it's just like, and then the pop up, I remember saying, Elisa Seamer featured in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater popped uh, up on the screen. Nice little marketing. Yeah. So a little bit of marketing, I think, at that time for them. But this was, like, probably one of the better songs in the game as well. Yeah. It's very, it's, it sounds like just hardcore. And, you know, production-wise, it just doesn't have production, basically, which is, um, like, such kind of a staple of some of that era of hardcore. And, like, I think, like, if there's one complaint to be made about the game or the soundtrack, like, in general, it's that it almost feels a little too clean um, for where skateboarding was just a few years before this. And, like, this kind of informs where skateboarding and extreme sports is kind of going to go and I didn't realize, like you said, like the X Games where he lands at 900 is just around this time. I figured this had to have come later. And this is also like right. This is also like right before like it kind of went mainstream because at right. this point nobody really knew what the X Games were unless you were like following it since day one. And it got to the point where like everybody knew who Tony Hawk was. Everybody knew who uh, Chad Muska, who was another featured character in the game, was. And then, like, right around 2007 or 2008, the market just kind of crapped out again because it was so oversaturated. And, oh, like, yeah. Everyone's like, well, 
skateboarding is cool, but we're not going to market it because it's not worth it for our time. So yeah. it went to this whole underground movement again, which was great. This was a time where a lot of the smaller companies started to pop up again and mm. actually became a lot more like uh, family oriented, like family core brand, independent brand stuff like that. The DIY movement came out, so like there were a lot of pop up skate parks, like um, the casino in Asbury. Mm. Okay, and so that movement was really there, and then all of a sudden, and like right after this came out, in like the late two, in like the mid two thousands, like right around when we graduated high school. Change, it went. It started to become more mainstream again because of like Bam Margera and all of them. I feel like anything that kind of gets pushed out into the mainstream off of a big marketing push is going to have an audience that is uh, really opposed to the audience that came before it. And you definitely kind of get that like very broy kind of extreme sports oh, person yeah. that shows up in the early two thousands. I always think of the guys in Harold and Kumar. Uh, go oh, to yeah. White Castle, that's, that's, who like kayak through the convenience a, store. Yeah, that's pretty much like the best example of of who was coming out at this time and who was getting into it at the tail end. A lot of those guys like still were into it, and like you look at it, like you would watch the X Games, and then like all of a sudden you would see like these guys, and you're like, why are they there? Like, and how come? Like, where's the real guys who are should be up front? And like now, like the X Games is like a total shell of itself now because they cut out a lot of the like the major events. Yeah, and like they have like rally racing, and I'm like, why is rally racing in this? Like the last really good like X Games was probably like maybe five, like almost ten years ago. Wow, where they just started doing the big airs, and this one guy named Jake Brown, no relation, mm-hmm. actually uh, had landed something, but he had it what's called a speed wobble on his board, and he just basically bailed like to the point where everyone thought he was dead. Jesus. Yeah, and like he got up and like actually walked off the big air ramp, but he they took him to the hospital and as it turned out he had a I want to say a couple broken ribs and I think a bruised liver. And I I wonder if that's kind of part of why that marketing push ended. I'm I, like there I'm sure someone was just like how often can we watch these people concuss and like crush themselves? And wasn't there even was it in the Olympics or was it at the X Games where someone died because, like, their snowmobile, like, flipped onto them? That was the X Games three years ago. Yeah, he I was knew trying, it was recent. Yeah. Yeah, he was trying to attempt a, a double backflip. And he had it, but he just over-rotated on the second one and did a half. And the snowmobile just landed on top of him and rolled over him. Jesus. Yeah, see? I just, I just feel like, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. We kind of said, like... That attitude era, to use, like, wrestling terms, like, that was really a thing from, like, 98 to, like, 2006. And then everything that kind of had any semblance of that just, we just stopped. Disappeared. Yeah. And I think so much of that is the um, the lack of desire for corporations to put money behind it. Yeah, well, now you're going to have skateboarding as an Olympic sport in 2020, so it's going to be a whole new ball game. Which, it's crazy that they've been pushing for that for so long, but now that the bubbles burst, it's finally happening. Like, do you think that this is going to cause that to come back in any way, or is it too little too late? A 50-50 thing, because I know a lot of my skateboard friends hate this idea, because they don't like the governing the body that's going to be governing the sport. And it's going to yeah, well, be... Well, no one likes the IOC, so... Yeah, well, not the IOC. There's actually a international roller sports committee so you're lumping oh. rollerblading and skateboarding into one basically uh do they also cover roller uh razor scooting <laughs> that much i don't know but i know that 
They um, have added roller, what are called roller sports to the Olympics as well, which is basically competitive rollerblade racing. Who the fuck has gotten in a pair of, of rollerblades since like 2005? I think um, it was probably 20, 2009 or 2010 when somebody at the skate park over in Saraville spotted somebody actually rollerbla- rollerblading in the park. <laughs> so oh, they no. are around and they're pretty much a, as what they call a unicorn nowadays. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like the last time I actually saw somebody on rollerblades was in a video from that. So that shows you how much it is. I know one of the skate shops I go to in the city sells them still, and they just don't mm. move. Like, I've gone in there. I've seen the same pair over and over again just sitting there waiting to be bought. Sure. But, yeah, nothing – nobody really rollerblades anymore. Yeah, and we kind of tangented there. But, I mean, let's, we, we it kind of encapsulated what I was saying is that this song is not uh, from that clean marketed era. This is – this feels dirty. This feels like a basement show. This feels like a dingy skate park. Um, yeah. And this soundtrack needed something like that. And um, while the song's not fantastic, it's very much generic hardcore. Yeah. Like, this, it's necessary. It for oh, this, God, this yes. Soundtrack. I agree with that. And we're not going to really have this on the later ones. Like, they're going to move towards a lot cleaner music. They're going to stick with kind of hip-hop, uh, which this also sorely needed. Yeah, um, yeah desperately. They're going to go with pop-punk or they're going to go with like uh, like classic punk, and that's it. Or, and I guess every now and then you're going to get like Ace of Spades. And also a little bit of like new metal mixed in there too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The Vandals, Eurobarge. Um, I remembered this song because it's stupid. Yeah, it's it's I, like I said, pure goofy pop punk, which is like the perfect summary of it. And it was just one of those songs where like you would it would come on and you'd be like, oh man, like this is actually not a bad song to skate to, but. Yeah, it's about it's just about like uh, an American asshole who thinks that like European like vacationers are are jerks, but like they're not. <laughs> well, it's only like three or four years after this that we are going to become the pariahs of going to other countries. So yep. this is like a very pre nine eleven song, and I remember having a Vandals album. Um, Did you have this one that had this song on it? I think it, it was I off of Hitler's bad Hitler bad ben, Vandals good. Then yeah, I did have. I think that is the one that I had. Yeah, uh, it was terror. It was fucking yeah. terrible. Yeah, the Vandals are pretty bad. This is the only song by them I will actually admit that I like. But other than that, it's like yeah, no thanks. They had a song that just was about mullets and what they call mullets in different parts of the world. Dear God, um, which I mean, like I I don't know. Um, that's the one that I remember the most. Um, but I also remember that when like CDs and physical media were becoming like like a burden to have. And like I was gonna start, let's getting rid of CDs. I'm pretty sure the, that Vandals album and like a Propagandi album were like the first two I just threw away. God, there's another band I haven't heard for, of in a while. Yeah, like yeah, I think Anti Flag was right behind that. I listened to some real garbage. Uh, at this we age. all did. We all did. Yeah, of course. Uh, even Rude with Vilified. I don't know. I don't remember this, this at all. Bad. Yeah, I don't remember it. Like. I basically said it was shortened. The uh, on the YouTube uh, channel, there was a longer version of it. I'm like, this song is longer than two minutes. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. I was like, wow, that's weird. Uh, again, one of those, you know, '90s intersections of grunge and new metal. It's got a straight up white boy rap verse, and it's garbage. Oh yeah, let's yeah. When we get to one of the later games, when um. Ian Scott actually raps on Bring the Noise. We'll see a very good example of how it's actually supposed to be done. Right. But even then, I think, like, it it comes after Tony Hawk 3 once the, the series has kind of gotten significantly worse. 
before like actual real rap kind of makes it to the soundtrack for the yeah. most part. They really kind of keep with that rap rock stuff for a long time. Again, I think that's I it's a demos thing. I think I think at this time they think like, oh, only like suburban white kids love skateboarding. Yeah. Can't put any actual <laughs> black artists on our soundtrack. But yeah, so that was kind of our short look at that soundtrack. Um definitely worth revisiting. I don't know if the game is necessarily worth like getting an emulator and going back to. Um but the C- 2 and 3 probably are. Oh, absolutely. 2 and 3 are actually probably the some of the best. I think even like the fourth one if there was a fourth i don't remember too much about that one to tell you the truth i mean two and three are like probably the peak and then after that it just kind of swiftly goes downhill yeah and we're going to talk about that on the tony hawk three episode kind of how activision ruins everything um and that's sort of partially why they're out of business now uh and ea has picked up that mantle um and with skate like they kept saying like oh yeah we're gonna release skate 4 eventually and then they're like yeah we're gonna cancel the project have a nice day and enjoy your shitty Mm -hmm. like versions of that yep yep the bubble burst and uh you know that carried over to video games as well and eventually the soundtracks get really massive like one of the tony hawk games i don't know if it's underground or, or one of the ones after three has like 75 tracks on it um because they they really started something with this honestly um, a lot of sports games like Madden and NBA 2K started doing this as well with licensed songs. Yeah, this was really the f- kind of one of the first games I actually remember hearing like licensed music for so that yeah. it um, can be used in the game. And it's actually to the point where that it's actually kind of awesome because you're also getting that exposure to other songs like that you would not lo- normally listen to outside what you like. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, it was having having games on CD is really what allowed that to be possible. Like you were never going to get licensed music on a Genesis that wasn't just like MIDI versions of a Michael Jackson song in Moonwalker or like that terrible Aerosmith game that was in arcades. Oh god, Revolution yeah. X. Yes. <laughs> I played that at I played yeah. that at uh, Yesterday's one time. I'm like, "My god, this is so terrible." Yeah, no, it's that's that's uh, not a good game and Steven Tyler looks like a fish monster. Yep. So that's the EP. Jared, where can people find you online? Uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Jarrett Brown, all one word. Cool. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. And you will, at some point in the nebulous future, uh, assuming we have one and we all don't just, just die, we will uh, be back for Tony Hawk 2 and 3. Yeah, absolutely. I will be with you. Uh, so if you have an idea for the EP series, because we're going to come back to the EPs every now and then when I need a break from the uh, the canon of now, Write into nowandagaincast at gmail.com or tweet it. That is at nowagainpodcast. Or you can write in and tweet anything you want. Um, we're also on Facebook on the Cage Club Podcasting Network. And there is some big news for the Podcasting Network happening right now. We are adding a new show to the Cage Club library. More people are joining our lovely, weird, fucked up family. <laughs> um, Wistful Thinking, a show about revisiting... Something from your youth and kind of determining, is it still good? Did it always suck? Am I an idiot? Was I always an idiot? Is coming. It's going to alternate weeks with now and again. On Facebook, I refer to it as the chaser to our shot and Kara didn't hate that. So I'll use that again. Super excited for that show. Definitely check it out. And of course, we have the rest of the Cage Club family. P.S. I Love Hoffman is awesome and new and you should check that out as well. And then there's Cage Keanu. All of that great stuff that you've come to know and love about the Cage Club Podcast Network. 
until next time, when we go back to the nows, we will catch you on the kickflip side. <laughs> <laughs>